Hi there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another episode of T4C. I am so glad you press play. If you're interested in the world of investment banking and financial services or in the world of innovation and startups, then this is the episode for you, my friends. Because my next guest was a partner at one of the largest multinational investment banks and financial services companies and is today head of strategic innovation at another global alternative asset management firm. But before I introduce you to Lisa Shallon, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's our weekly newsletter that gives you an overview of the guests we're going to be featuring that week. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time the number 4coffee.org and sign up. And while you're there, you can check out the dozens and dozens of episodes of T4C that most interest you. Just click on the career that is most relevant to your interests right there on the homepage, and you can see the professionals who work in those fields. Now, my friends, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest today is Lisa Shallon, a retired Goldman Sachs partner who just decided to return to work full time in an exciting new role as managing partner and head of strategic innovation at Brookfield Asset Management. Brookfield Asset Management is a leading global alternative asset manager focusing on investing in long-life, high-quality assets across real estate, infrastructure, renewable power, and private equity. During her 20-year career at Goldman Sachs, Lisa held a number of leadership roles and most recently was global head of brand marketing and digital strategy, managing Goldman's brand during the 2008 financial crisis. During her recent so-called retirement, Lisa advised startups, Angel invested, and also spent one year on the executive team of a high-growth, millennial-led startup, gaining new perspective while applying her large company skills in an early-stage company context. Lisa is a highly respected and accomplished leader, a strategic thinker who drives innovation and loves solving problems. Lisa, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I am delighted to be here, but I am not caffeinated. I will say that one thing that I am very proud of is that somehow I look caffeinated, but actually am decaffeinated and have been since my first pregnancy some years ago. Really? So we can say that you're naturally caffeinated? Exactly. That's even better. We accept every shade of caffeination on time for coffee, Lisa. I am so thrilled to have you. And I want to get right into our 10 espresso shots. The first one, what entry-level jobs are available to young people who want to break into the fields of business, investment banking, financial services, all of the above? You know, I think that typically when someone looks for an entry-level position, they look at it in terms of the specific context or main business of a company. So my answer to you could be a financial analyst kind of role, 
a role where someone is on a team that makes investments or does research. Increasingly, there is demand for anyone who has any experience with coding and data science and data analytics. But it's funny, at a big company, there are so many other functions that enable that company to operate. So there are always interesting roles that might be in marketing or operations or human resources, etc., that sometimes people forget are also part of what makes even an investment bank operate. Sounds obvious to say, but when people go and look for those opportunities, those sometimes are missed. I think that is a great point. Thank you for raising that. So Lisa, what is a useful skill or skills that you have looked for over the years in the young people that you hire for these entry-level positions? You know, for me, the most important thing to look for is attitude. I am looking for someone who's hungry to learn, eager to be helpful in whatever way help is defined, and in part, try to define ways they can be helpful. Someone who is curious, poised, because that's hard to learn, and also is a great communicator. And I can usually tell that pretty early in an interview. And I say these things importantly because so many young people have a perspective that they need to bring something to the table to show that they're ready to be an investment banker or fill in the blank. But the fact is that just by having an awesome attitude and being a great team player and being a really good communicator means that you can add value even if there's a lot for you still to learn. Because the rest of it, you can teach them, right? Yes. Okay, Lisa. Next question. Is someone's major a deciding factor to get into your profession, I ask you as a former East Asian studies major? You know, I think that this is an area of major misconception as well. And, you know, I often see folks who consider themselves liberal arts majors self-selecting out of a lot of professions, careers, and roles that they perceive as too quantitative and therefore that they wouldn't be wanted for. And in fact, some of the most successful people that I've worked with are people who have a liberal arts background. And so don't self-select out. Your major and whatever you studied has taught you a discipline. You don't necessarily have to be bound by that in terms of how narrowly that might lead you to look at potential job options. Fantastic. Now, this next question is regarding advanced degrees. Lisa, I know you got an MBA. How important is it to get that advanced degree in order to succeed in your field? I think that the pendulum has shifted. Initially, for example, when I started at Goldman Sachs, you needed to have an MBA in order to advance from analyst to associate. In fact, not many analysts were hired. And over my career there, that really shifted such that it is the entry-level positions right out of college that are the ones that are most desired. And a Goldman Sachs, for example, made it easy for someone who is an analyst and has an undergraduate degree to be promoted to associate if they earn it without having to go get that MBA. In some professions, though, in order to even start, you really do need an MBA. And I think that that typically seems to be the case here at Brookfield from what I can understand. I'm, I'm still a little new. Okay. What about life experiences, Lisa? 
What in your personal experience have been the most useful life experiences to have for someone starting out in this field? I'm going to answer you with something that is an experience not everyone can have, but I think was very instrumental for me in shaping how I look at the world. And that is, if you have an opportunity to go live in another culture, then that is the best way to learn empathy, which is so important in so many roles that I can think of. And if you can't go have that experience, although study abroad has become so common, I would say put yourself in situations or seek out experiences that somehow make you uncomfortable and take you out of your comfort zone. And I feel that people who have had those experiences just have a much more creative and resourceful outlook on whatever it is that they're doing. I would say otherwise, if I could add to that, work on a team, demonstrate that you can be part of a team. Sometimes that's through sports, sometimes that's through extracurricular activities. And then lastly, I would say just notice stuff, become an observer of your surroundings. So much of what is being determined today and enabled by technology is about the experience that you have in whether you're in a space or whether you're looking for a service or buying a product. You are in a position to just notice stuff and think about stuff. And as such, you might develop some some very valuable insights, but it's very easy to go through life rushing here and there, being busy, being distracted, looking at your phone all the time and not notice stuff. So I would say notice stuff. I love that. And I love that not only for professional reasons, but also for personal reasons. I think being more mindful and present is just a better way to live your life. I think so many of us have spent our lives living in the future and then look back and say, oh, I wish I had appreciated what I had when I had it. So I love that advice, Lisa. What is the best part for you of being in, and I'm going to say all of these professions, but having been in investment banking and financial services and in the world now of innovation and startups? That's a really hard question to answer, but I think if I were to boil it down to one thing, it is that I'm never bored. In all of these roles, there's always been stuff to learn. And I really feel like no matter how senior I've gotten or what kind of role I might think I'm getting my head around, that I always kind of try to bring the enthusiasm and curiosity that I felt on my first day of work and seek out new things to learn and reframe opportunities so that I always feel like there's something new to learn. That's a fantastic attitude to have. I need to take more of that in about how I feel on the first day of work, that level of enthusiasm, but that, you know, we can always aspire to achieve it. Lisa, I know you're in a brand new role as managing partner and head of strategic innovation at Brookfield. Can you, maybe it isn't fair to ask you to share something about the current job that sucks, but from a job that you've had, what was the aspect of it that sucked the most? You know, I can answer it from this particular job, not because something sucks, but more because it is frustrating to me. When I get into a role, I want to add value immediately. That's kind of how I'm wired. And you have to learn to be patient. And hopefully you're working in an environment that gives you a little bit of room to be patient with yourself. But one of the biggest challenges in my role, which is I'm the first 
person to ever be in this strategic innovation role. I am the only person right now, so I have to build a team, but right now it's just me across this huge organization that is Brookfield Asset Management. And, you know, it's a very decentralized organization. And so I feel frustrated with the limitations of my being one person and not being able to stretch time or clone myself while trying to figure out how to navigate the organization when it's very decentralized. And I've had my share of organizations that are really organized. And sometimes that has its pros and cons and organizations that are super chaotic, such as the startup that I worked in. But I would say right now, if I had to define sucks as what frustrates me, I would say it's that. I think it's also important for our listeners to appreciate that even someone like you, Lisa, who has made it to the tippy top of one of the biggest multinational investment banks out there and has been an angel investor and has obviously achieved tremendous professional success, is willing to push yourself outside your comfort zone yet again. I feel like that's a thing that I've become good at and I enjoy it. It's like a puzzle to solve. And it took being in a number of different kinds of roles, seemingly very different contexts, to realize that having agility and the ability to adapt and see similarities where most people would see differences and draw ideas from that is actually a skill. And you know what? That's never been on a performance review that I've had. That's rarely a skill that is highlighted as such, but I've decided it's a skill something I'm good at, and something I seek out. Fantastic. Lisa, what is the best career advice you've ever gotten? That is a tough one. I will try to choose just one piece of advice, but believe me, I have benefited tremendously from having wonderful mentors who have given me all sorts of advice, sometimes really like tough, kick me in the ass advice. But probably the best advice that I keep coming back to, which I got at a time when I was getting a promotion to run a sales desk on the equities floor at Goldman to go from a peer to suddenly being this group's boss. It was from my boss at the time who said, you set the tone. Remember that you set the tone. And I think when people are in an organization, they always feel like they have so many layers to look up to and don't necessarily feel like they're an empowered leader. And what that advice told me that even if we're just talking about the context of my small team, I do set the tone. I am a leader at my level and people are watching how I react to things, how I handle things and how I manage things and how I treat them. And I have an opportunity to set that tone really well and inspire people. Or I also have the opportunity to set that tone poorly. And guess what? It affects everyone. It has a ripple effect. So I was really grateful to have that pointed out to me. And I feel like I've carried that around ever since. I love that. That is great advice. Lisa, what movies, if any, or Netflix shows, Hulu shows, or for that matter, books, do you think accurately depict your profession? I really feel like most of them are so 
negative, particularly when I was in my brand role and Goldman Sachs was kind of the poster child for all things evil about Wall Street for a while there. Everything was negative. But sometimes if you are aware that that's the lens through which things are being depicted and conveyed, there's still a lot to learn. So it was because of the movie Wall Street, the original, that I had no interest in going to Wall Street. And ironically, I ended up on Wall Street. But had it just been watching that movie, never, ever would I have headed there. So I think that you shouldn't put too much of a weight on these. I would say that if you want to learn about the investment banking and trading industry, Billions is a really good show. Take it with a grain of salt, but it kind of gives you the some aspects of the atmosphere as to how things may work, even though they're fictional. If you're interested in the startup world, you kind of have to watch Silicon Valley. <laughs> Not because it is accurate, but because the ways in which it's sort of being caricatured is educational. But you know, if I were to pick some really good books that are worth reading to understand how business works. I would say if there's a great book about Amazon called The Everything Store, there's a great book about Airbnb. I'm a big fan of the entire Four Dummies series, like investment banking for dummies. I think they do a great job of describing the industry. So I'll pause there, but I could go on and on. That's fantastic. And we will make sure to include those books in our show notes. Lisa, final espresso shot. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your profession? I think if I define my profession now as the real asset business, which is kind of like, you know, a private equity firm investing in real estate and infrastructure and renewable power, as you said. I think that many of these business areas have not faced as much disruption as other business segments and kind of do things the way that they've always been done, which has worked quite well, but where it's at an interesting inflection point where disruption may come. What surprises me is to see how much of the financial aspect of the business is still done on Excel spreadsheets. Obviously, they're tried and true, and people rely on them, and they've worked quite well. You can have a very successful investment firm based on Excel spreadsheets, but it just makes me scratch my head and make me think, hmm, is this the best we can do? Yeah, I'm kind of surprised to hear that too. Very interesting. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for making time for coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community. This was really enlightening and interesting for me. This is a world that is quite foreign to me personally, and I really appreciate you enlightening me. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.